Hello, and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ. And I am sitting here in sunny Houston. You're a Texas gal. I'm a Texas gal. (laughs) Um, I'm here with my sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece. And I haven't seen my niece in over a year. Wow. Like a little nervous that she was going to be a little shy or like take time to warm up. And it took no time at all. Like, I guess unconsciously she knows that like I held her as a baby, you know, like out of the womb and I wiped her butt and I fed her (laughs) and I I used to hold her and I'd sing to her. And so I guess she must remember we are obsessed with each other. She's so stinking cute and she knows it and she like she'll like put up her shoulder and like put her head down and be like AJ you want to go to my room um it's really cute so that's me right now in a nutshell um how are you nice jumped right in I jumped right I was like (laughs) why not go for it um How am I? I'm so exhausted. I just haven't been sleeping well recently, so I feel a little low energy, but besides that, I'm good. Uh, My ovaries are doing well, in case anybody was following along in my journey. Um, And yeah, no complaints, honestly. feel a little scrambled today, but that's probably a, a, you know, part of being exhausted. I'm just like, deer in the headlights yeah today. what day is it what's happening <laughs> yeah I'm like what day is it but I'm so excited for the inauguration tomorrow um I guess that that would be today because this podcast is getting released tomorrow um a lot going on and I'm just so freaking excited I'm yeah so excited. I have all I can think about <laughs> yeah. I um I just saw that they've been putting flags in the in the mall which is so mm-hmm. cool um I love DC. I love living there. I, it's been weird obviously during right now. Yeah. um, It's just, we're, it's 700,000 people. Like it's awesome. You know, what, what do you love about it? Oh my gosh. I think it's truly the greatest time ever to live in DC. Um, The food culture is insane. I've heard that. I don't know if it's because people are like, I don't want to go to New York and like start a restaurant when I can like go to, I don't, I don't know, but it's the, we live next to like two Michelin star restaurants, like walking. Wow. And, um, all uh, just around us, we have amazing food. Um, I love that. At, so where we live in Adams Morgan, it's like really walkable to anywhere. I mean, we could walk to the Capitol, like no problem. Obviously we're not right now. Yeah. Um, but we're really close to everything. I like the values of DC. So in New York city, Um, It was a great place to be 26 and single, but like, it's very much like your apartment sucks. Get out of your apartment, go out, have a drink, be with your friends, buy this, buy that. And everybody is addicted to working. And in DC, it's a lot more like you settle down and you get married and you have a family and um, the values are just very different. It was something that I was like, it was so interesting when I, um, when I started dating Brett and then I like moved there was that our ever all the men were just like looking for their partner whereas like in New York City you felt like nobody was really looking for this to settle down everybody was just looking for the next best thing yeah yeah that makes sense 
Um, yeah, Interesting. I yeah, and I think they do a really. I think DC does like uh, the music scene's amazing in DC. There's like a ro- a lot of really great music venues, um, and the downtown area, which is usually like the worst part of cities outside of Manhattan, um, is really nice um, and enjoyable to be in. So, just big fan, big fan. Love it, love yeah. it. I've barely been there. So I'm always interested to hear. I love learning about where people live and like what they like about it. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. it's a great place to have a dog. That's great. So many dogs. That's fantastic. So many dogs. Oh, all I want is a dog in my life. Apparently Luna is being like amazing with Brett and all she's doing is snuggling with him. And I am devastated. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Some quality, uh, father-daughter time (laughs) yeah I'm devastated I'm so jealous it's unbelievable oh that's amazing um well anyways let's get into today's episode we are gonna do a Q&A session we've put up a couple different polls or questions whatever you want to call it on our Instagram page so we have a variety of different questions or just different topics that people want to hear about um we also have a couple questions that were sent in from friends or friends of friends that are a little bit longer and kind of explain a situation that we can dive into. Um, So I'm really excited to just get into our listener questions today and actually answer things that people are interested in hearing about. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And it's actually great because AJ hasn't even seen the questions yet. So (laughs) I'm going to be throwing them at you. We're going to get a super authentic response, which is great. I'm ready. Um, All right. Are you ready for the first one? Yeah. So the first one is when to start saving money for a house and when to buy a house. Oh, you're really going with the daggers. I was, just, uh-huh. I was just having this conversation with one of my clients yesterday. Yeah. 25. This is one I talk about often. Yeah. So, okay. So the question I just want to get clear is when to start saving for a house. Saving money for a house and then actually when to buy a house. Okay. So when to start saving money for a house. I think the most important thing that you need to have set up before you start truly aggressively saving for a house is you need to have a one month of expenses, a one month emergency in your checking account. At least Um, you need to have, you need to be working towards an eight to 12 month emergency fund, ideally 12 months. But if you're young, I mean, it's going to take years to build that up and that's okay. But getting to, if you could have six months of an emergency fund, then I feel like you can start putting more money towards a home. Exactly. Um, Because there's a lot of expenses that come with a home, obviously. And you need to have, money put aside. If you need to buy a new HVAC system, which costs 10 grand, if you need to buy a new, um, refrigerator or you need to hire a mechanic or all that stuff. So, um, the more you can set up those funds and, um, what, to be clear, an emergency fund is in a high interest savings account. It's not in the market. It's money that is liquid that you can get at any time. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then um, the third thing that you want set up ideally, um, which a lot of people don't do is a retirement account. So if you have an employer who has a 401k benefit, you wanna be contributing to that. You wanna have a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA set up, which is a personal retirement account, which is a $6,000 a year max if you're under the age of 55. 
Um, so those would be the three things that I would say should be in place before you really start dumping money into saving for a home. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important with any type of savings plan or, you know, savings goal that you're working towards to really identify your why and not just start saving for a house because you think it's the next step in your life, but actually figure out why buying a house is important to you. And like looking at your finances and seeing if that's something that you want to invest in, that might not be the right decision for everybody. And you really want to be set up, like AJ was saying, in a couple different areas of your life before you start just saving for a house. So you really want to set yourself up to be super financially independent, feel really comfortable in your finances. And then after that, you can really take a step back and figure out what you want to save for it. Maybe that's a house, um, but really identifying your why and understanding um, also what you're looking for and how much money you want to save. So you really want to be doing research before you start just throwing money, like figure out what your goal is, your why. And if you have that vision for yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to actually save that money. So a couple of other things I want to add to that, Mm -hmm. um, which is also, um, time, time is your best friend when you're saving money for a home. So I guess that goes to the second question is like, when, is the right time to buy. It's like, well, when is the right time to start saving? And the sooner, the better. And what you would want to do. So even if you don't, so I think Amelie brings up amazing points, but if you're like, I don't know how much I'm going to need for a home, but you have $50, $100 a month that you can put towards your future home, getting connected with a money, a wealth manager or a financial advisor to advise you because that money, if you don't need it for five years, should be going in the market. Exactly. So that's the other point I wanted to say, which is that you, if you have the time to let that money sit and grow, you want it to be in the market in a money fund so that you can, um, you, you can get 7% return. You can even get more depending on it. Um, And if you're constantly putting money in every month towards it, you're going to grow your wealth. Um, And I mean, 7% is huge. If you put down $50,000, you know, that's another, like, let's do a hundred thousand dollars. You that's $7,000, right. That's growing. But then exactly. Yeah. Um, So again, not a financial advisor, neither is Amelie, but we, but that would be the next step is going And that's what we work on with our clients. We understand where we're at and we're not telling people how to invest their money, but we're giving them the tools to ask questions to wealth managers and to financial advisors to say, hey, in five years from now, I want to buy a home. What's the best place to put my money in the market? And, you know, there's uh, there's ways that you can put in the market that's really aggressive. And there's ways that you can put our conservative that you know exactly what you're going to get. And there's people who are wiser and smarter and have more experience to be able to tell you that information. Exactly. And yeah. really where we can help is organizing and setting up your finances so that you know exactly what you're looking at so that you can go into those conversations and use your time wisely because those conversations can be super, super expensive. So if you go in there and you ask them to organize your finances for you, it's not going to work out. You yeah. need to really have that set up ahead of time so that you can um, get the most out of your money and your time. Another thing that I would recommend is that, so a lot of states offer um, first time, first time home um, opportunities where, yes. so if you were to buy, 
a home, ideally you would put down 20% of the, um, of the entirety of the home. So the home is $500,000, you'd put down $100,000. Now, most people, when they're first buying their home, don't have $100,000 to put down. So, um, and the, obviously, um, the United States understands that. And so they, most states have first-time home buyer um, loan opportunities where you can put down 5%, you can put down uh, 10%. There are some that are crazy that you can put down 1%. Yeah, I would just be really, 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 really careful because not only do you want to make sure that you can afford the mortgage, because obviously the more equity you put into the house, the lower the mortgage is. Mm-hmm. The second is that you need to make sure that you have an emergency fund for your home so that if you needed something for the home, you are the landlord now. You are responsible for all of the things that break. And if you want things to increase in value, if you want your home to increase in value, then you have to maintain and keep and take care of your home. So that means upkeeps and that means um, not letting things fall by the wayside, which costs money. So when you're thinking about, I I remember talking to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about putting 1% down on a home. And I was like, I don't know you, like we've literally just met today, but I'm like begging you not to do that because my gut tells me that you won't be able to afford the monthly expenses. Yeah. There's a lot of calculations that have to be done before making an investment like that. So yeah. Yeah. And if you do have that emergency fund, you're just going to be way more secure in making that decision because you do have money to fall back on. Um, I've seen, I've definitely seen people go into debt to buy a house and that is just never the right thing to do ever, well, ever, ever. Just to clarify, you will go into debt to buy a house. Yes. Right. <laughs> I mean, but, for the like expenses yes. and yeah, like credit card debt specifically. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, something that we talk about a lot is the difference between good and bad debt. And yeah, I believe, and Amelie believes that like, there is such a thing as good debt, which is absolutely a mortgage which is also using zero interest opportunities to leverage debt. Um, But the bad debt is exactly, there are so many homes, especially like before 2008, where people were spent, were buying million dollar homes that had nothing inside of them because they couldn't afford it. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why the market (laughs) crashed. Oh my goodness. Yes, it's very true. That's a great question. It's a tough one because um, there's a lot of moving parts and it's not as simple as, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, I know people who have kept all their money in the checking account to save up for their home. And it's like, if you have time, if you have time on your hands, then you should be putting that money in the market. Exactly. Because your money will make money and then you can actually use that for better purchases. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, I, I just want to say that in a at least in the next couple months, maybe weeks, we're going to release an episode um, talking to a couple who recently just bought their first home. So I wanted to plug that and, and let you know that we're going to continue on in this conversation because I think it's something that a lot of people want to hear about. So we will certainly be getting some firsthand experience and tips from, from a couple. So I'll Amazing. just, I'll just leave that there. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Just leave that there. Um, okay. Next question. This is a fun one. What is your partnership slash relationship like? My partnership. The two of us. Oh, me and you. Mm-hmm. This was asked on an Instagram poll and I was like, I love this question. <laughs> uh, do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Um, 
whatever you want, either one. You go. Okay. I think that our partnership slash relationship is really good overall. I think that we really heavily focus on communication and it started out that way because we did have to transition from a client coach relationship to more of a business partner relationship. And so we've had to have some pretty serious conversations about like, how does this make you feel? Are you okay with this? Like, what does this look like for you in this transition? So we just have that like very, very basic communication really going. Um, I don't know. I feel like you're like one of my soulmates. (laughs) So, so we do have that like business partner relationship, but we also are good friends at this point. So yeah, we love talking to each other. We love talking to, we talk every day, every day. Um, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. (laughs) We have to talk all the time. Well, there's a couple, so a couple of highlights. I mean, one, I think I admire you so much because I think you're so cool. Like, like I know. It's the nicest you thing know? ever. <laughs> but I do, I think you're very cool. Like, I don't think that I, you're very comfortable like being, there's no like block in, in our relationship because, and that's, I think a lot of that comes from you because you're like mm-hmm. very comfortable in your strengths and being with me. Not that just because that we did came, we did come from, you know, client, uh, to business, no, you know, working together professionally, but then also you're younger than me. And when I was, you know, it took me a long time to feel comfortable around older people, um, and to feel like I could stand in my power. And I feel like you do an amazing job of that, which I think makes the relationship so easy. Um, and it's something I really love about you and admire about you. So nice. Thank yeah. you. Um, it's so funny. I, I feel like I've always been that way from like growing up because I was the oldest of my family, not only with my siblings, but with all of my cousins, like mm. I'm the oldest. And so I've always felt like a lot older than my age, yeah. always. And then going through you know, a pretty serious life experience having cancer when I was 12 just made me grow up like instantly, you know, it's like a trauma experience. It makes you, I I feel like my childhood was just like done at that point. So I think I've always felt like much older than the people around me, which is really interesting. Yeah. The early parts of my twenties, by your age, I started getting more comfortable around older people, but it was very much in the identity of like, I'm the baby. And I like really like liked that, but it also really held me back from like going beyond my capabilities. And then when I turned like 28 Saturn return, like that's when I really like was like, I'm going to be a grown up now and I can hack it and hang with the grown ups. And it was actually something really interesting that anyways, I'm going on a, we don't have to go there, but in (laughs) in my relationship with Brett, like Brett is really um, close with a lot of, um, executives and directors and they all love him and he's so comfortable with it and at first it was that again that old version of me that was like oh I don't know what to talk to them about I'm like they're human like why are you being so weird like yeah like we're in Jamaica chill Um, (laughs) like everybody's just trying to have a drink and like relax like this we're in Jamaica chill we're in Jamaica chill um that's one thing that I love about our relationship and I I think that you really um are um like a driver in that and then um, where there's so much, um, 
back and forth on like ideas because we're in the we're yes. star- we're a startup, you know, and like we're in the startup phases. So there's like you're a huge soundboard for me as I like spew out ten things, and then we like and then I and a lot of times you're listening, and a lot of times you're giving feedback, but it's like I. I'm so grateful for that aspect of the relationship because it's so nice to have somebody on who's an ally who only wants the success of the business to like give ideas and then to have you have honest opinions with me about them. Um, That's huge. Yeah. I think, I think that what I've realized through this partnership is that it's way easier for me or like the way that I work is one-on-one with somebody else like that works really really well for me and I feel I mean for years I've been like I want to start something I I like I want to work on my passion and then I just really needed somebody there to hold me accountable I also needed to find out what that passion was but it just works so well to have like two people working together towards an idea like it feels like we're very joint in forces and like really wanting the success of the business. It's like, we just have this common goal that we're trying to achieve, which is so awesome. Yeah. I, I want to do a thing that I admire about you too. Oh. There's so many, but I gotta <laughs> go. Um, so I think, well, first of all, I would just like to say that like you coming into my life was a complete game changer for my whole entire life. Like, I feel like you've shaped the last three to four years for me. So that first of all is like, when I think of my twenties, I think I'm going to think of you in a lot of ways, which is so awesome. Um, but I, what I really admire the most about you is that you are so fully yourself all of the time Mm -hmm. and it's so inspiring and it makes me, and because I think for me, like I have that perfectionist streak and you've really taught me that done is better than perfect. And that like, what, and just to be vulnerable, like it's, it's was really scary for me to start this podcast and even like post my face on social media. And you were just like, no, like go for it. Like be vulnerable. Vulnerability is a strength. And I've really carried that into the rest of my life. Oh, I have goosebumps. Thank you. That's Good so question. Sweet. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, question. <laughs> that was great. Okay. Next question. How much should I have saved by the age of 30? <laughs> that's so tough. That's such I a know. tough question because what was your circumstances? Do you have student loan debt? Do you have credit card debt? Um, were you financially supported out of college and like someone paid for your house, you know, your housing for a while? Like, um, what do you do for a living? Um, I think that those sweeping, I'm going to tell you exactly how much you should save is so limiting. I know for me, exactly. like, when I started doing, I mean, 90% of my job is research and development and figuring out how I can get the most mundane information about finances in a way that's like pocket size and digestible for you, listener and fun and, fun and super fun and, and empowering. And yeah. When I was researching that, like by, you know, at 25, if I put $6,000 away since I was 25, I'd be a multimillionaire by the time I retired. Like that made me feel horrible. Um, I think there's, it's important to understand that time is your best friend when it comes to building wealth. But um, in terms of what you should have, I can't say, but I can tell you the important things that you should have, which is a one month in your checking account of expenses. So that's your non-negotiables like rent, your cell phone, 
um, your insurance, your reoccurring monthly expenses, Netflix, therapist, um, gym membership, your lifestyle expenses, which is basically eating, eating and basic necessities. Because when you're, if you think about an emergency fund, if you lost your job, you wouldn't be going and buying clothing. You wouldn't be going and getting gifts for your friends. So you want to look at those numbers. So let's say it's $3,000 a month. You want one month in your checking account, $3,000. Then you want eight to 12 months in an emergency fund. And you want to ideally be maxing out your Roth IRA every year, especially if you're 30. Just start 6,000 if you can. If you have a 401k, then um, figuring out how much your employer is providing is matching. Make sure that you're getting to that match if you can afford it. Um, but I have had clients who like put too much money towards retirement and then have no money for themselves. Yeah. So you have to figure out that balance and, and yeah, I think if you're, I mean, it's, you can't give, we can't give an arbitrary number for what she have saved, what should you have saved by the time you're 30, but it's really like looking at your finances and figuring out what you can save. And if you're set up with an emergency fund, that money in your checking account, you're maxing out your 401k, like you're doing pretty well. And then there are a lot of other things that you can start saving for if you have more money to play with. Yep. If like, so my fiance bought his apart, he bought our apartment and um, he was 29. Mm -hmm. So he was saving for a house way earlier than 30. Yeah. But he also had, he, he had contributions. He was putting money towards his retirement. He was also living in Baltimore, saving a thousand dollars a month for years, like minimum a thousand dollars a month without even thinking about it. He was like automated and let alone what he was also. And then his tax returns went straight into saving. Like that's 22 to 29. That's what he was focused on was retirement, emergency fund and buying a home. Yeah. That's a smart way to do it. <laughs> Not everybody's Brett Schneider. Good job, Brett. Good, Good job, job, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I hope that's helpful to whoever asked the question. Yeah. Um, okay, we have time for one more question. I'm going to do one of the longer ones. Okay. So this will give us a little bit more context. I want to move in with my boyfriend, but I'm nervous about having the conversation about splitting rent. He makes, he makes more than me, so I feel like he should pay more. Is that fair to ask? You answer first. Oh, my favorite topic. Um, I think it's completely fair to ask, but I also think the number one piece of advice here is just, you have to be able to have that conversation. Also, I would say, (laughs) this is going to sound a little harsh, but if you feel like you can't have an open and honest conversation with your boyfriend about money, like, are you ready to move in together? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the harsh truth. I think that conversations about money are so, 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 so important, especially if you're going to move in together, you're going to start splitting everything, not just rent. You're going to start splitting groceries, electrical bills, things for the house. Like you have to go into that move in together with a super open line of communication. Um, I can see some bitterness coming if you don't have that conversation and you feel like you don't make as much as your boyfriend, but you're splitting things that you can't afford. Um, so it's really just about having that open line of communication. And the way that Frankie and I do it is that we split the rent based on our income. So he pays a little bit more than me. 
Yep. And, and it's just real. It's the realistic thing to do because he has more money coming in than me. Um, but also like he has student loans and I don't. So we had to actually sit down and calculate out a lot of things. Like we had to actually see what each of us was making after taxes and after um, any type of reoccurring expenses like student loans. And then from there, you can calculate out the percentage of what each person should pay. Yep. So it's really about having that open line of communication. Yep. Um, say, I mean, you said it perfectly. Um, Brett pays more than I do. Um, it's percentage based off of income. What else? Um, but then Brett covers a lot. There's certain expenses he covers more than me. Like he covers the car and yeah. he covers um, the insurance on the car. Um, actually, I think he owns his car outright. So it's just the insurance on the car. Um, but you know, like I, it's not like he's in charge of gas, like whatever the, the car needs to be filled up, I take over gas. Um, yeah. but like we actually were always in communication about money. And I think we knew exactly what we were going to do going into moving in together. Um, yeah. and it was based off of my income and what I could afford. And we actually, to be totally transparent is that during the pandemic, especially in the beginning when we didn't know about unemployment and how unemployment was going to work. Um, I, I mean, we always, every month it was conversations of like, okay, am I in a position that I can pay, you know, the mortgage right now? Cause at first I was furloughed. And then, um, it's a constant conversation. It's like, okay, am I in a position this month to be able to afford, um, rent and what does that look like? And, um, and cause some months, cause the way my business works is that some months I make three months worth of money and then other months I make one month worth of money or half a month worth of money. And so me and Brett are, are, are always in communication about that. Yeah. And I think, um, that having that monthly check-in with your partner is one of the best things that you can do. Um, some people call them money dates, which I think is great. Yeah, and just that. really sitting down because as you were saying, like things can shift month to month. So you have to really check in with each other and talk about like, okay, what's our budget for groceries this month? It's, it's just like you would do for yourself, you know, as an individual, you want to sit down every month and figure out what you're, what's coming up in the next month. Um, if you have any like birthdays or expenses that you're going to have to dish out a certain amount of money for. And then from there, you can figure out what you can spend on groceries, going out, whatever. Um, especially when Frankie and I first moved in together, we didn't do that full transparency because I did not have my money <laughs> under control at all. Yeah. And we spent so much money just going and getting takeout because we didn't have a budget for what we were going to spend on food. Um, and we never really got to the point where we were fighting about money like that. That wasn't really a thing, but I wasn't honest with him about what I could afford. And so it caused issues in my relationship with my money and just caused me stress because I didn't feel like I could tell him like, oh, I'm making so much less than you at this job. Like I can't at that point we were splitting rent 50, 50 too. I just like, wasn't honest. So yeah. I think not only is it fair to ask, but it's actually really necessary to sit down and have that conversation. I think another really good point that um, like that you highlighted that I'm going to go deeper into is that um, if you're asking your partner to like pay more in rent then you better understand how you spend your money exactly. because it has to feel fair. And if you're, if you have a shopping problem and you're buying all this clothes and he's watching Zara boxes and 
all these boxes come in and he's like, why am I paying more money in rent? You know, it's, it's about being fair. And it's something that I'm really passionate about as women, because uh, as a woman feminist in the money world is that um, you have to show up too. And just because he makes more money and the wage gap and all these issues doesn't mean that you get to slack off and not care about how you spend your money. Exactly. Yeah. Any type of relationship, it's just so important to sit down and be really open about that. I mean, yeah, I think for me, what works is like super transparent, radical honesty. Like I'm like, here, Frankie, look at my bank statement. Yeah. <laughs> like look at all of the numbers Yeah. because then we can be super on the same page about things, but um, it's whatever works best for you. But you, it, I really, really, really encourage setting that up before you move in together. Yeah. Like um, a great example is that when I first moved to DC, I was unemployed for like, like, and by unemployed, I mean, I was making like a little bit of money here and there, but I was, I was basically unemployed for like seven months and I had never something. Yeah. Seven months. I had never been unemployed in my life. I'd always had taken gig jobs and I was really trying to find a new career path and it took time. And I did, I ended up becoming a yoga studio manager, but it took a really long time to get there. And so Brett was covering the rent, the mortgage and I, um, I didn't go out and spend what money I had on clothing or nice dinners or, you know, I was, I was respecting the, the terms of the agreement was that he was going to cover my living expenses. And I was going to respect that by not frivolous, uh, frivolously spending my money. Yeah. Which is super important. Like if, you just have to be, it's all about communication and respect. I would say those are really the two things. It's like communicate really openly about what you can and can't afford, what money you do do or don't have. And then also like respect the other person if they are paying more or less or whatever their situation is, like be super respectful of their boundaries and set your own boundaries as well. Yep, for sure. Yeah. And if you ever start to feel any type of bitterness coming up with money, which has certainly happened to me (laughs) with friends, relationship, whatever it might be, like nip that in the bud and just say it out loud. Yeah. Just, just say it. And then even if for some reason you, your line of thinking wasn't correct, like that person can check with, check in with you and be like, I actually don't agree with what you're saying because of this, 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 and this, and give you context. And so it's just like, don't let that sit inside of you, just say it out loud. Yeah. It's really, really, really important. And it gives the other person the power to make the changes that would make you feel better. Like I was noticing lately that I was buying like a ton of gifts for our friends, um, like joint friends, like his friends, my friends. And I was like, not addressing it with him. And he was just like, Oh, that's so sweet that you did that. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I feel like there's an imbalance here. And he was like, all right, I'll Venmo you. Like, it wasn't like a, you know, I could have sat there and been like, meh, you know, he was like, it's fine. We can Venmo, you know, like it, it wasn't tit for tat. It was like, he just was like, okay, let's fix this. Yeah. And yeah. then it took a weight off your shoulders right there. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of us is we create, especially with money is that we create stories and we create, um, we create barriers and yes. they end up causing yes. us more pain than anything else. Yeah. And they don't get yeah, anything because, done. Yeah. We, we create stories about the other person's um, narrative. So until you actually open up that conversation and talk to somebody about what they're thinking and, or what 
this situation was like for them, you're just going to go in a circle in your mind and and like digging yourself deeper into this hole. So it's like breaking that, just speaking it out loud, even with friends. I think, I mean, this could be a whole nother podcast, but if you have a friend who's constantly asking you to go out to dinner and you say like, let's make dinner because whatever. And they're like, no, if you're just giving into, to what they want, you're going to feel so much bitterness. And so it's, you have to actually sit down and be like, Hey, I think that we've been spending too much money when we hang out recently. Like, is it possible to do something cheaper or, or free? Um, can we do this? And if they're a good friend, hopefully they'll say yes. And you have to be like, I cannot afford this. Like say yeah. the words out loud. Something that, that it's like kind of a tangent, but makes it's like aligned with what you were saying is that, um, you don't have to say, I'm poor, we can't go out to dinner. You don't have to, because if going out to dinner isn't aligned with your, what your plans are for your money, that's okay. You don't have to be like, I have no money. I cannot stand. When I was, when I was really poor and I would have friends who had so much money tell me that they were poor. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the most annoying thing. It's, it's like really painful and it's really I want, you just want to punch them in the face. It's like, you don't have all you have to standing up for yourself and standing in your worth is saying, I, that's not how I want to spend my money. Don't blame it on being poor. I don't want to spend my money going out to dinner because I'm saving to buy a home. Yeah. Or like, just say like, this is not part of my budget. Yes. This is not part of my budget. And that doesn't mean I'm poor. That means that I'm allocating my funds differently. Just like if some, my, one of my favorite things of all time is just if somebody tells you like, I don't have time for this, it doesn't mean that they're a hundred percent booked up 24 seven. It just means that they are setting a boundary that they might need time for themselves or they might need time with their partner, whatever, but it, they don't, it's like, it doesn't mean that a hundred percent of their time is booked up. It just means that they're setting a boundary with you and that has to be respected. Yeah. Same with the money. It's like, okay, I can't afford this. This isn't my budget. Whatever you want to say, like that is a boundary that has to be respected, but also like you have to set it. If you just go along with what your friends want to do and don't stand up for yourself, you're going to feel resentment. Your wallet's not going to like it. Your budget is not going to like it. Like there's a lot of different things that go into it. Yep. Awesome. Well, we do have some questions leftover that we'll have to save for another day. Um, but in the meantime, AJ, what are three things that you're grateful for? I'm super grateful for, um, um, we hired a babysitter for Luna for like during the day. And I'm really grateful for her because she's making Brett's life so easy. And that makes me feel relaxed being here. I'm so grateful for my sister and my brother-in-law and my amazing, adorable little niece. Um, And I'm really grateful that I utilize credit correctly and had enough points to come here and not pay a dime for it. I love that. Yes. What about you? I am grateful for Frankie's uncle, Will, who is our biggest fan and has listened to every podcast. So shout out to you, uncle Will. I really appreciate it. Um, Definitely our biggest fan. 100%. I don't know. Gives me Marilyn Schneider (laughs) is is a running second, if not first. (laughs) All right. We'll have to let them battle it out. um, And he also gives great feedback and it's been useful to me. So thank you very much. I'm grateful for you. 
Um, I'm also grateful for you, AJ, and our relationship. I am just grateful for it every day. And of course, I'm also grateful for Frankie. We got to spend a lot of time together this weekend for the first time in a while because he's just always working. And it was really, really nice. That's awesome. Okay, everybody, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to Everybody's Bad With Money. This podcast was presented by Beyond the Green Coaching. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, beyondthegreencoaching.com. Stay tuned. We are joining TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye.